0: It's time to get your problem solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get $15 off your order with code podcast15.
1: Summer is here. Pack your bag with sunscreen, your emotional sport water bottle, and that steamy bee treat. But wait, don't stop there. This year, there's a new kind of essential that's right at your fingertips. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. Our form of government, in short, is fundamentally sound. Not so our parties and our politics. It is in this spirit that we make the case for a new center, one that does not split the difference between left and right, but offers a principled alternative to both.
0: That's from William Galston and Bill Kristol in a remarkable op-ed that speaks our language. This is Sarah from the left and Beth from the right. You're listening to Fancy Politics. No shouting, no insults, plenty of nuance.
1: Before we get started we want to thank everyone who's been donating to the show and we would love to have more supporters it helps us cover the cost of Pantsuit Politics so if you're interested in supporting our show you can go to pantsuitpoliticshow.com and make a one-time donation or become a monthly supporter for as little as five dollars a month thanks guys
0: So if you're new to Pantsuit Politics, you know that on our Friday episodes, we usually do um, a little bit about the news of the day and the Friday feedback. And I have to confess, Sarah, that I have been pretty unplugged all day today. I was doing my Leadership Northern Kentucky program that I've talked about on the show before, and I spent the day immersed in poverty. I went to a homeless shelter. I went to... Uh, a place where they serve lunch every day. So I've had a kind of an out-of-body day in a lot of ways. I did see that Donald Trump has announced that he is going to appoint General Mattis to head up the Pentagon. Um, But I I really don't have an informed opinion about that yet. Is there anything that you wanted to
1: cover in the vein of news? No, I've also been sort of consumed by... um... Learning about my immediate political surroundings, I've done department tours for all eleven, almost all eleven departments of the city of Paducah. Today, I spent um, almost all day with um, the Department of Engineering and Public Works. I went from the end of the flood wall down into the deep depth of the pump station, which was that pumps the flood water out if necessary, among um, my town and the Ohio River. So it's really interesting. I spent time with nine one one dispatchers and the fire department. And the IT department, I've seen servers. I got to call 911, which was exciting. So I've also been pretty consumed by other things, not the national news. Just enough to know that Sarah Palin got mentioned for the VA, and I hope that's a, a sad, sad rumor.
0: I hope that's a sad
1: rumor, too. Isn't it
0: humbling to see everything that's in your own community and to just think about all the people who are making things happen? And I, It's such a nice reprieve from... Mm the silliness of national politics. Yeah, I agree. We were sent um, a couple of great articles this week. I want to thank Fred and Vicky for sending these our way. And then I also found one from David Brooks. And I feel like they all have a common theme, which is that maybe our crazy moderate idea is catching
1: on. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, I think like undercurrent of all these things we're about to discuss is that we can all see that something is happening within our political system, that Donald Trump, whether you support him or abhor him, is not, pun intended, politics as usual. I was
0: listening to Chuck Todd in the car because I was in the car for a
1: very long time since
0: President-elect Trump is here in Cincinnati. (laughs) Um, So my normal 40-minute commute turned into an hour and 40 minutes. But I was listening to Chuck Todd talk about how in a lot of ways, we have to zoom out and recognize that this election maybe means a lot and maybe means very little. Maybe mm. it just means that eighty thousand votes in three particular states made the difference, and that tells you how thin the the margin is right now, and right. and what i what a divided country we are in terms of our political beliefs. So you could. If, you know, 80,000 votes is the difference between saying the Democratic Party's in crisis versus the Republican Party is in crisis. Right. The Democratic Party has a problem with white working class voters versus the Republican Party has a problem with Latinos. You know what I mean? Like it, mm-hmm. it could have so easily been the other story. So maybe we need to step back from that. But I do think that the most productive thing to take from this election is is that being so polarized is not helpful. So that's why I loved these articles, which we'll link in the show notes. They are absolutely worth your time to read. Um, I thought we could start with the Crystal and Galston piece that we quoted at the top of the show. This appeared um, both in the Weekly Standard and on Brookings. And these are two complete political adversaries in a lot of ways. Crystal and Galston make the point at the beginning of the article that they've never voted for the same presidential candidate. You know, they are opposite ends of the spectrum. But they're saying that we need a new American center that upholds opportunity, security, accountability, and ingenuity as its principles. And I just love that configuration.
1: So the beginning of the article really appealed to me, and it sort of goes back to what I said, that I think they're all starting from this, something is going on. Can we all acknowledge something is going on? And I said, the basic institutions and principles of liberal democracy are under assault. Many of us who are defenders of this distinctive form of self-government have tended to take for granted widespread agreement on these principles. We have had confidence in the strength of these institutions. This is a complacency we cannot no longer afford, And that is something I think about so often since Trump's election. Like, I don't... I was talking to a listener, and I don't know... And, and, like, Fox had this thing today about, like, should we normalize him and just respond to... Directly to the policies? When, you know, that whole quote about Trump's... The media took him seriously, but not literally. His supporters took him... Or literally, but not seriously. His supporters took him seriously, but literally. Like, I don't know when to take him literally, I don't know when to respond to what feels like an assault on these institutions. And I guess I sort of like the way all these articles are taking it as like, okay, let's just respond to our new normal instead of acting like the only way to address... Like, let's respond in a real informed political policy-oriented way instead of just acting like Trump is the end of the world and feeling like the only option available is to fight him. Because, you know, if... Donald Trump can if we can come out of his presidency with a less polarized nation with more choices than and a bit a bigger deeper center then that would be great.
0: I struggle with what normalize means or how it's in any way helpful because the truth is we had an election and this is the outcome of the election and I would hope that we could all at least unite around the idea that we hope for a prosperous and secure four years for all of us. So I don't I don't know what the... I just don't relate at all to the normalization conversation. What I do think is important is to uphold these institutions and to respond. I mean, I thought that his tweet about flag burning was abhorrent and deserved an outcry that the president shouldn't be talking about violating... First Amendment as established by the Supreme Court. You know, I think the deal that he has struck with Carrier to keep some jobs in the state of Indiana raises all sorts of questions about what authority he'll be acting under as president and that it's important to raise those issues. And I don't know if that engaging in that way is normalizing. Then I guess that's what I plan to do, because I think we have to engage in that way. If we don't, if we spend the next four years just saying, I refuse to normalize this guy, and I'm not going to talk about any of this as though it's our reality,
1: what does that accomplish? Well, and it's like, I don't want to, it's just so difficult. It's how I felt this entire candidacy, because I don't want to say, it's like, how do you say, okay, I'm going to move on and just respond to this man without without constantly prefacing with, like, I don't want that to be an acceptance of his racism or xenophobia or misogyny. Like, there's just so much involved in that that I don't want to feel like I'm accepting, but I just can't, I can't go at, you know, 100% rage for the next four years. And I'd much rather, say, respond to the reality that created this president and respond to what I do feel like our broken institutions that led us here not broken institutions but you know I just feel like that you know when they say I thought that was so brilliant our institutions our government is sound but not so our party and our politics and I think that's so true and so I love that my only complaint with this article is at the end I, would, I wanted them to be like here are three things you can do and I'll be like sign up to be a part of the new center or whatever it is about like I felt like they left me hanging like okay that's great so what do we do now? Yeah, and and they really did leave it hanging
0: because they said, we don't know how this is going to emerge. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year is going by so quickly, and I had a little bit of a moment of panic about it this week. I thought to myself, I'm losing track of time. It's going so fast. It's going to be December before I know it. My kids are growing up, and I just kind of was spinning out. And I stopped and I closed my eyes and I pictured my last therapist who I haven't seen since the end of 2020. But I remember the way he talked to me through these issues and I sort of channeled his energy and put my feet on the ground and thought, this is just how time feels now and there's nothing wrong with that or right about it. It just is. But those skills that I learned in therapy are so important to helping me take a second to celebrate what's going right and decide what I wanna adjust for the rest of the year. If you're thinking of starting therapy, which I cannot recommend enough, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment, visit BetterHelp.com/pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp hel slash
1: pantsuit Summer is here. Pack your bag with sunscreen, your emotional sport water bottle, and that steamy bee treat. But wait, don't stop there. This year, there's a new kind of essential that's right at your fingertips. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Dipsy offers a modern approach to romance through high quality and captivating audio fiction. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to com slash pantsuit. dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. second most stressful thing after planning a trip is packing for it this is true this is a true story I have just told you the clothes I have don't fit they don't go together the way I want them to or I'm missing some essential piece and then I discovered quince it's my go-to for high quality vacation essentials like this premium European linen dress that's going to get us all through the heat wherever we're traveling. Blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, premium luggage options, and so much more. All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than their similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to all of us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I got big plans for my Quince chiffon pleated skirt. In Japan, they like a loose, flowy look over there to to battle the heat, I will be adopting that strategy with that skirt. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials from Quince. Go to quince.com slash pantsuit for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash pantsuit to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash pantsuit.
0: David Brooks was a little bit more directive in his column this week. He talks about how Trump's authoritarian style could energize people about the Constitution in a way that's helpful. Uh, He wrote, "...what's about to happen in Washington may be a little like the end of the Cold War. Bipolarity gives way to multipolarity. A system dominated by two party-line powers gives way to a system with a lot of different power centers." Instead of just R's and D's, there will be a Trump-dominated populist nationalism, a more libertarian freedom caucus, a Bernie Sanders-slash-Elizabeth Warren progressive caucus, a Chuck Schumer-slash-Nancy Pelosi Democratic old guard. The most important caucus formation will be in the ideological center. There's a lot of room between the alt-right and the alt-left, between Trumpian authoritarianism and Sanders socialism. Until now, people in that space have been slow to create donor networks, slow to form think tanks, slow to build coalitions of moderate legislatures. But suddenly there's a flurry of activity between the extremes. I mean, I think that's... True. It reminds yeah. me a little bit of, um, you know, I'm a reality TV junkie, and this season on Survivor, people are talking less about alliances and more about trust clusters, like trust how people will, clusters. yeah. And I thought that was such a great term for what could happen in our politics, where you're not always on this side or that side. You're working in this group around this topic.
1: Yeah, and I think we desperately need that because I don't know a way out of the muck in which we feel like it's us versus them and no one can agree on anything except that we hate each other. Like, this is how we got here. I don't want to do this anymore. Like, I definitely think that there is room. And I think when you create a lot of um, trust clusters, it allows for people to move more freely and say, I mean, and people did that. Like, people supported Bernie Sanders and then supported Donald Trump. That is a right. thing that happened. I know them. I've talked to them. That is a thing. So it, it, it added, you know what I mean? Like it's just more fluid and it allows more movement. There are issues that are ripe for that. If you think about
0: where Rand Paul has been sometimes in relation to the Republican Party when he talks about surveillance, right? So the balance of our security interests versus our liberty, that's the kind of issue that really could break down in very different ways than party lines. You know, there are so many topics when if you just get down to what we're really talking about, they have almost nothing to do with what you think of as traditional Democratic and Republican dogma. So this really does seem like a healthier way to move
1: forward. Well, and I think that with regards to sort of these, you've already seen that, right? Not just with Rand Paul, with Donald Trump, where he's going after policy positions that have never been historically Republican policy positions, as particularly his status on trade. And so you're seeing that sort of breakdown and free-for-all already, I kind of feel like, in a way.
0: Because I think what people saw in Trump is is certainly not strict orthodoxy around any kind of ideology. They saw instead what they interpreted to be strong leadership or at least disruption that's necessary, right? Yeah. So how do you, if you're a person like me, who feels really strongly about limiting government to its proper role, how do you show people that restraint can also be strong leadership? You know, that there's still a promise to deliver on there. That's a hard message.
1: Mm, Yeah, definitely. It is. It's a very hard message. And it's because it sort of reminds me of the, the idea that, like, you can't really show off what you prevented right you know like that's just not it's not a it's not a winning narrative it would have been so much worse without me
0: (laughs) the most frustrating research assignments i got as a young lawyer were when i was told to like come back and show me that no case exists that would defeat our argument and i would always think how am i going to prove a negative to you and in some ways that is a lot of what my politics are about but But I have come to, as I've mentioned before, the realization that I'm not like a libertarian. And I I think that there is a role for government. So I do think there's a place for compromise. But this gets to David Brooks' point that there are a couple of challenges for this new center. And one of them is developing a positive vision that is more than just I'm in between the two extremes. You have to have to rally people around something instead of just filling the space. And then he talks about, and I know that you'll appreciate this particularly, elevating a new generation of leaders so that this is not just a retread of establishment figures.
1: Please, that would be wonderful. I just worry about in this face of, you know, especially the ugliest presidential campaign in modern history, you know, I just worry if the gap, the leadership gap we're already experiencing with regards to, um, political leaders will grow or if it'll you know it seems to at least among our anecdotal evidence among our listeners is you know sparked a fire more than anything and i hope that continues to be the case i think one of the things i keep thinking about is something my friend said she heard on the radio i think she's listening to npr and they were talking about like you just sort of have to have this reset with something unfortunately she said something really terrible happening because the you generationally you just don't remember, like, you know, the generation that remembers the Great Depression and World War II is is rapidly dying, and there's no sort of generational memory of, like, how bad things can get, and I just worry a lot that what we're feeling shift is um, shifting rapidly and dangerous just because there's no understanding of, like, how bad this could get. It's just so often, you know, when I find myself fretting about what this new administration means and what will be the repercussions that i go about my daily life and i look around me and i think nobody around me is worrying about this they have so many they're focused on their daily lives they're doing their thing and the presidential election's over and they don't love donald trump and they didn't love hillary clinton but it's over and they're just ready to move on and they're not sweating that it's the end of the world like so many of us are you know and i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing but I don't know if it is either. I do
0: think it's a healthy thing to keep it all in perspective. Yeah. You know, one of the experiences that I had today, we, we have in northern Kentucky only one place for adult men to seek shelter when it's cold outside. And we went to that place today and they ask us to lie in the beds for a few minutes and they turned the lights off. So we could really have the experience of like, what if this is where I had to sleep? And as I was doing that, I had a million thoughts, as you can imagine. I mean, it's not an experience that I will forget probably ever. But one of the things that I thought is like, what are any of us doing to actually solve problems like this? Because another speaker that I heard today said, look, we could solve homelessness. We could. Fi- this is not like curing cancer. We could figure mm-hmm. this out. We just have to decide that we want to. This is a solvable yeah. problem. Yeah. And none of the antics that we're seeing, and even as, you know, things like who's going to be the new RNC chair, who's going to be the new DNC chair, even as those things are playing out, you think like, what's actually being done to like solve a problem? I think that if we could center a new movement around really practical challenges like homelessness or, or whatever the cause it, it, it's that's the same idea as that trust cluster concept right let's pick a problem and try to solve it well and, and don't bring... you feel like we've seen a little bit of that with criminal justice reform yes exactly let's bring all the stakeholders are just around that topic and just do that thing and stop all the horse trading about the other things that we want let's
1: let's solve problems does your area not have warming centers Speaking of solving problems, sorry. You should look into this. This is what we do in Paducah. Churches open up warming centers when it's below a certain temperature so that people can come in from the cold.
0: That may happen. As far as like an actual shelter facility, I know that it's just this one. Yeah,
1: we only have one too.
0: You know, I have to mention this because the executive director of this organization would want me to, and she listens to our show. Hi, Kim. She said that every county in Kentucky has a taxpayer-funded shelter for animals but not for humans.
1: Wow. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So the other two challenges that David Brooks highlights are building a mass movement of actual voters, which I think is going to be a big conversation for anyone going forward. And that is complicated when you're talking about kind of navigating issue to issue. And then having the courage to be a swing legislative caucus, to know that you're not you know, you're going to oscillate from side to side on different issues. So yeah. anyway, I thought that was a great article. The third article that we wanted to talk about is really centered on North Carolina. We do quite a bit of hosting here at the Silver's household. And I think there is nothing that completes a table for dinner, like a beautiful loaf of bread and wild grain has made that so simple because they send gorgeous loaves of sourdough bread, lots of spins on the ingredients, but always just this You heard me, free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout.
1: Earth Breeze Eco Sheets look just like a dryer sheet, but it's ultra concentrated, liquidless laundry detergent. It's the best of all worlds. Earth Breeze is tough on stains and odors while being kind to the planet and your skin. So it's good for sensitive skin. It reduces plastic waste. All of these things are true and amazing, but let's get to the heart of it. Y'all know I have a laundry system. You know it revolves around training children as young as possible to do their own laundry. EarthBreeze Sheets feels like they were invented for this. Because littles maybe sometimes struggle with those big heavy jugs. Or maybe you worry about the pods, but here we go. Here we go, y'all. Earth Breeze eco sheets—it's like the perfect solution. A child as young as two can handle these sheets, and even with toddlers, like you can get them involved. And this is a way to get them helping with laundry even before they could do it themselves. Ugh, gotta love it so much! Right now, our listeners can receive forty percent off Earth Breeze just by going to earthbreeze.com/pantsuit. That's earthbreeze.com/pantsuit to cut out single-use plastic in your laundry room and claim forty percent off your subscription. Earthbreeze.com/pantsuit.
0: Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. They even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit. It's time to get your problem solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get fifteen dollars off your order with code podcast fifteen.
1: I mean, what is going on in first of all in North Carolina? Is have they said Roy Cooper is the winner yet? Everything that
0: I have seen points to that being the outcome.
1: Yeah, but this the- lead
0: is expanding with the with the vote
1: count. Oh my goodness. Trump won North Carolina, but so did the Democrat who challenged North Carolina's Republican governor Pat McCrory.
0: What the article talks about is that this this movement against McCrory really happened by an appeal to morality and empathy. So McCrory is best known on the national scene for this very discriminatory law regarding transgendered uses of restrooms. And I mean, it's a horrible law. It was passed very quickly. I think most of the people who voted for it did not understand all of its implications. But the NAACP and other groups in North Carolina really helped people understand all of those implications and understand that in economic, social, and political ways, the state was going backwards under this leadership. So the article quotes an activist is saying, when we started in 2007, there were 1.6 million poor people in North Carolina. That's a moral issue. We had not had a raise in the minimum wage. We did not have health care. We needed to strengthen our civil rights laws in this state. Though the voter suppression laws put put the political focus squarely on questions of race, the moral movement managed to both explicitly address its racial animus while simultaneously expanding its reach beyond people of color. So part of the point of this article is maybe Democrats have taken identity politics too far and should be focusing instead on sort of the ethical issues behind traditionally Democratic stances. And I wondered... You know, I obviously have a reaction to that. I wondered what yours is.
1: No, I feel very passionately about this. I don't think that psychologically it does not work to tell someone you disagree with me, you're a racist. Calling someone a racist, I wrote a blog post about this years and years ago, calling someone a racist shuts the conversation down and doesn't get you anywhere because people just go on the defensive. And I think that identity politics or protecting vulnerable classes of people from discrimination um, under the law is one of my number one political values, but it's not because I'm a better person than you that I support this. It's not because I have some, you know, elitist, moral, and ethical high ground in which I think that you don't care about these things. If we care, everybody cares about these things if you sell them in the right way. I can't, you know what I keep thinking about a lot? I keep thinking about the fact that, I will never forget the statistic, that 30 months after, not 30, I'm sorry, three months after 9-11, Americans' number one concern was the economy. Do I think that means that Americans are terrible, awful people who did not care about the loss of life on 9-11? No, I don't. But I think it is. it speaks to the fact that politics is about pragmatic realities in people's lives. And so if your politics are the politics of affecting the poor and um, other vulnerable classes of people, then you say... You know, I also don't believe people are altruistic. So you don't say, do this because you're, the g- good people care about these things. You say, this is the political impact of mistreating people like this. This is the economic impact of mistreating people in this way and excluding them from our economy. This is the positive impact on your life if we get everybody to the table. And this is why this is important. And now there is institutionalized racism that is not going to, uh, not going to respond to a certain extent to logical, pragmatic, and even empathetic arguments. And I totally get that. But I don't think that those people that won't respond and they're stuck in there, you know, like don't care, like, I don't think you win or lose on convincing those people. I think it, there is a huge center of people who will respond to those arguments if presented in the right way. And I think maybe North Carolina shows that. I agree with that. I think that's
0: true about issues of climate change. I, mean, I think that's true across the board. You know, if we would stop putting it in terms of you believe in science or you don't, mm-hmm. right? But just, hey, we have an obligation to be good stewards of our planet. I think that everyone rallies around that, you know? And then and there's always a matter of degree, but that's okay. That's, a, that's the conversation to have. Not your ignorant and a denier of science, or or scientists are terrible people who don't believe in anything bigger than themselves. You know what I mean? Like, we just cast everything in these terms that are so divisive and so stark. Just It feels like we're looking for a fight right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think this article goes a little far and, and definitely is about democratic strategy at the end of the day, which you know, I obviously don't have a stake in, but I think that if you seize onto this idea of a new center and these sort of political trust clusters, I do think that emphasizing empathy is a really good strategy because, because that's not just empathy for people or causes that you're trying to serve, but for the people you are trying to unite with you to serve those causes and people.
1: What I've been thinking about is that it's not just even empathy. I've been thinking a lot about the section in J.D. Vance's book, Help Billy Elegy. You know, one of his big arguments is that people have lost the feeling of agency in their own lives. And he talks a lot about how the military gave him back agency and he felt like he had control over what was going to happen to him. And he says, he makes the argument that Democrats, by presenting government as the sole solution, remove agency from people's lives under the same token. Republicans, by presenting government as the sole cause of all problems in people's lives, also remove agency. And I feel like that is a good path to the center from people where we say, we want to give everyone agency in their lives. And we acknowledge that not everybody starts from the same path. And they have a really good paragraph about this in the the new center that – you know, not everybody has It's not about everybody crossing the finish line, but it's about acknowledging that everybody's not starting at the start the same starting point, and really emphasizing this idea of agency, and so getting people to a place where they feel like they have control and can make choices over their own lives. Because I think that the um, less than the the more cynical approach within, particularly you know, the Republican Party has presented this as like the government is this all, you know. The cause of all your problems, and these people are milking the government, and you know, don't you hate that? And don't you think that's unfair that you work hard and everybody else gets by on a free ride? This sort of narrative, and just chipping away with that, and I feel like agency is a sort of a more appealing argument in a way than empathy.
0: I like that too, and I think that speaks to the need to think about things differently. Chad and I just watched Poverty Inc., which was such a great documentary, and it talked about how if you are 40 years later still trying to attack poverty in the same way that you had been for the last 40 years, that doesn't work. You mm-hmm. need to try something new. It's time to change. And I think that that's kind of where we are with a lot of problems and politically. You know, we've been doing the same thing for a while now. It it doesn't work. It's time to try something new. And if, if looking at people as... Individuals with unique circumstances and the ability to make decisions about their own lives can have a greater role in the conversation without that meaning that we completely turn off the lights on all of the support mechanisms for those folks. That I think a lot of people could rally around that kind of strategy.
1: So, thanks for joining us for another episode. We hope that this idea of the new center is something all of you can rally around. Um, until then, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Pantsuit Politics. Until then, keep it in mind, John.